Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we get to speak to Dr. Jared Bloom. Now, Jared spent the early part of his career gaining technological expertise, working in various technology companies during the dot-com era before deciding on a career change. He started his teaching journey as an English teacher at Franklin K. Lane High School with no experience and no teaching degree. The only requirement was to register in a graduate program. He knows that his path to his current role as Assistant Superintendent for Instruction and Curriculum in South Huntington is a direct result of great mentors, colleagues, supervisors, students, families, and professors who gave of their time and knowledge to support him along the way. Maya Angelou said about mentoring that in order to be a mentor and an effective one, one must care. You must care. You don't have to know how many square miles are in Idaho. You don't need to know what is the chemical makeup of chemistry or of blood or water. Know what you know and care about the person. Care about what you know and care about the person you're sharing with. As such, Jared has made it his mission to mentor others and to develop and support mentoring programs for staff at all levels. During his time as an adjunct instructor at Hofstra University, he helped to create the Sunset Seminar Group with Dr. Maureen Murphy, a program that provides new teachers with an opportunity to meet in small groups to study and perfect their craft. In 2005, Jared was named the Hofstra University New Teacher Network Mentor of the Year. At South Huntington, Jared and his team have written and received numerous grants to help expand the mentoring coaching program, leading to the creation of district and building level coaches that have helped to support the transition to new standards and to create a culture of reflective practice at all levels. Jared believes that providing ongoing and sustained support to new and seasoned staff helps to create a supportive environment where everyone has an opportunity to be a part of the decision-making process and where the goal continues to be to move the dial for all students. So welcome, Dr. Jared Bloom. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, we're so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am ready. Awesome. So Jared, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? So I had an unusual path to leadership, especially educational leadership. I actually started in the dot-com industry. So my whole background was working in startups. Mm -hmm. And um, as you know, when the bubble burst, lots of companies were- We were scrambling, yes. (laughs) Going from company to company. And I I really had a a moment where I had to decide 
what do I want to do with my life and how am I going to make a difference? Mm -hmm. And so I thought, wow, I could really make a difference in the field of education. I had a background in English and communications. And so at that time, the city had a special certificate program. I didn't have a master's in education. I had never taught in my life. I never took a class on teaching. Was there a um, shortage? There was. Yeah. And so I walked in. They said, here you go, handed me some books. And that was a journey to leadership because I had some of the best mentors in education at Franklin K. Lane High School who really taught me more than just what it meant to teach, but what it meant to make a difference in the lives of each student and, and to really look at each kid and provide exactly what they need, that it wasn't about what the class needed. It wasn't about necessarily even the content, although content's really important, mm -hmm. but it really was about figuring out how can you make a difference in the lives of these kids and how do you move them forward on their journey through life? And, and mm -hmm. so that path was my path to leadership. So you connected that really early on. Absolutely. You know, they had some really amazing educators in a really tough school where kids really struggled, not just with learning, but with life in general. Mm -hmm. They really had challenges, and we really had to figure out how to do everything we could. And I will tell you that with the work that we did in that building, I mean, we had kids 90% mm -hmm. on the Regents in English. We had students who were getting into some of the best colleges, and that was with all of the challenges that they were dealing with. Mm -hmm. That kind of led me to being kind of recruited to another school. I then left that school to go back to Lane because Lane actually asked if I would be a teacher leader. And so I came back to Lane. Where um, was Lane again? Franklin K. Lane is Woodhaven, Queens, Brooklyn area. Okay. And so I came back for a year, and then I was asked through somebody that worked there if I would interview for a job at Herrick's. Mm. I know you know Herrick's mm. well because you've interviewed many of the yes, leaders yes, yes. from the Herrick School District. That was my journey as a teacher. At that point, I left Herricks to become an administrator in the Deer Park School District, and then I ultimately landed in South Huntington, and now I am the assistant superintendent for instruction and curriculum in South Huntington. Now, how would you describe your leadership style? I am one that believes that you can't lead alone, that you need other people on your team in order to not only just make things happen, but in order to work with teachers and the community and students to make the change that's required to make a difference. It goes back to that making a difference if we want to make a difference. And so unless there is an emergency, there really is never a time when you should be making a decision on your own. You really need to have that think tank. And you really need to be thoughtful about the path forward for the ideas that will move your district forward. Mm -hmm. And so we're very mindful of being inclusive and having teachers represented, having students represented, having parents represented. And it's allowed us to, I believe, really move the district far beyond where we would even have hoped to be. And we know we have a long way to go, but we are so excited by what we've already accomplished in our graduation rate, in our region scores, in the types of STEAM learning that's happening across the district. And all of that is a testament to the teamwork that happens 
And I certainly see your influence here. Right now, we're at, is it the Space Maker Room? So this room is actually called the Chef Maker Space. What do I know? (laughs) South Huntington Educational uh, Foundation. And the foundation actually helped us to fund this room for our students to have the latest and greatest innovative technologies that students and teachers can learn. And then as technologies are adopted more and more, we end up bringing them to the schools and bringing new technologies here. It's really a place for people to be innovative. And how wonderful that your past, your knowledge merges here. I can't wait to play afterwards. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking, looking at this technology. I'm so excited. It's a, it's a cool space night and students just absolutely love it. Okay. So can you tell us which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? You know, one quote that comes to mind, and it goes back to what we talked about before, is that there's no I in team. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't do things by yourself. This room didn't happen because of me. This room happened because of an organization. This room happened because of my team coming up with ideas and concepts and putting them together. It happened because of the purchasing department. It happened because of board support and superintendent support. It happened because the community wants it to happen and the community supports it. So teamwork takes lots of people and it it takes the village. Mm -hmm. I think the other quote that comes to mind, you know, is, is Maxwell's quote that success is when I add value to myself and significance is when I add value to others. I want to add value to others. I do this work not for myself. I do this work because we are making a difference in the lives of kids every day. And to know that and to see the great work that happens here in South Huntington, I can go home every night and say, wow, today was a great day. You know, Jared, you've certainly activated my heart. And one of the things that I'm starting to do as I'm listening to leaders is to write down qualities that I see in them. Now, I don't know you well, but these are things that kind of just leap out at me as you're speaking about your story. So would you mind if I share some of the things that I've noticed? Sure. One of the things that I see is that you're very keen about your purpose. And that's really important to you, your purpose in making a difference. You've said that several times. Another thing is that you occur as a servant leader. You want to serve others. I felt that the minute I came in, how you approached me, how you were so accommodating. And another thing is that you're a really good connector. You oh, connect you. really quickly <laughs> and on a deep level. You're a visionary. Hmm. collaborative, and you certainly value others. As you tell your story, you give honor to other people. That's really wonderful. You're humble. You're a team player. I'm going to add to this list as we go on, but I wanted to share that with you and to share that with our listeners because that really matters. So there you go. Thank you. I have been fortunate enough to work with some of the best leaders, Jack Beerworth. (laughs) He's been on the program. I know. Uh, You've interviewed so many of the people that have helped me to challenge myself and to understand why we do what we do. Awesome. Okay. So, Jared, what type of leader are you inspired by and why? There are so many different types of leaders. There are business leaders that inspire me, Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs that inspire me. There are faith leaders that inspire me. Mm -hmm. There are educators that inspire me. My first grade teacher inspired me. So I can't speak to one particular leader that inspires me more than another. What I can say is that every leader that inspires me does it because they want to make a difference in the lives of other people. And that even if it's an entrepreneur, they're doing something 
for the greater good. Mm-hmm. And that means a lot to me. I have a three-year-old who's going to turn four in a couple of days, and so I always look through that lens as well. What kind of world is she growing up in? Mm-hmm. And what kind of leader would I want her to be? And who would I want to inspire her? And who's going to be there to inspire her in school, in life, in career, et cetera? Mm-hmm. So. Well, that makes sense because you are inspired by those who want to make a difference, and that's who you are. So, Jared, what's the best advice you've ever received? Thinking back to advice related to leadership and my career, I'm going to go back to a time at Herrick's with Jack Beerworth. I remember sitting in Jack's office and having to make the decision to leave Herrick's as a teacher and become an administrator or to stay in the classroom, and at that time trying to decide whether I could make that jump personally Mm -hmm. because of the connections that I had with kids and the difference that I felt that I was able to make as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And he had such meaning in his words. He was inspiring. He was encouraging. And he just looked at me and said, you have to do this. (laughs) This is not an if. You have to do this because you will be able to make a bigger difference. And Mm -hmm. it's not that you're not going to be missed, Mm -hmm. but this is the right move. And that for me, pushed me to be able to do the work that I have now been able to do over the last number of years. So it was not profound advice. It wasn't necessarily, you know, something you you could put on an index card, but it was more than that Mm -hmm. because he cares so deeply about each person. I was a teacher in the school district, and so I didn't have the kind of personal relationship, Mm -hmm. but we did have a relationship because he knew every teacher in that district, and he knew them well. And when he would sit with you, he was there with you and nobody else. (laughs) Nobody else was in the room. And he's able to summarize in in just a little nugget to make you feel good about the decision, to help you make decisions. And there were other times that he had done similar things with me, with other people. But I will never forget that because Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for him, I don't know if I would have made that leap forward. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I did get to spend a good amount of time interviewing him. And so I really urge the listeners to really listen to his podcast. Uh, You're absolutely right on. He's a great connector, great communicator, and he cares deeply for the work that he's doing, that he did, Mm -hmm. and for those that he led. So I get that. Now, you mentioned mentors a lot. How important is it to have mentors and coaches in your life? It's critical, and in so many areas, whether I'm learning Spanish. Are you learning Spanish? I am trying. I've been trying for so long, and I think it's important. You can't do this on your own. You need to have a mentor to lead you through the language learning process, through having that practice partner, and the same goes for leadership. The same goes for uh, personal coaches in life, financial coaches. Parenting. Parenting. We need coaches to help us to move forward. We also can't expect that students are going to be able to learn what we want them to learn if we're not constantly learning, right? Right. And 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 they see right through us. Oh, yeah. Students see through the heart. Mm -hmm. They know what you know and they know what you don't know. They also know whether you're a learner or you're not a learner. I've always been a learner. Coaching and mentoring comes in many different forms. So we talked about having that personal coach, but I also think it comes in the form of books. Mm -hmm. It comes in the form of podcasts, such as your podcast, and listening to people. So it doesn't have to necessarily be somebody that you're working with one-on-one. It can be somebody that you are getting secondhand. Mm -hmm. And so I always encourage people, you have a 20-minute car ride? Please listen to podcasts. Listen to audiobooks. You have some time when you're online at the bank? 
take out your phone and read some of the great nonfiction that's out there. That's how I learn every day. Right. I appreciate that because for educators and for leaders in general, there's such little time. One of the first things that some people think of when it comes to personal growth, I don't have the time. And they feel overwhelmed just thinking, oh, I'm going to be a part of a mastermind group. And that's a different way of learning as well. But you can't afford not to, is my argument. I would agree. And I would say also being part of professional organizations. Mm -hmm. If you're not taking part in the professional organizations that are important to the work that you do, you're not part of the process. You're, you're not stuck. part of that. You're stuck. <laughs> yeah. There's a quote. It was actually in the One World Schoolhouse by Salman Khan, Khan mm -hmm. Academy, mm -hmm. and he mentions Henry Ford, and he talks about whether you stop learning at 20 or 80, you're now old. Oh. If you want to stay young, right. you have to constantly be learning. That's right, and we all want to stay young, right? Yes. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Fountain of youth. The secret. Keep learning, yes. So I'm assuming that you've been a part of many teams. What does it mean to have a good team, and how do you build or sustain one? So I'm really lucky, especially here in South Huntington, because I have, and I, I'm not just saying it, I have the most fantastic team that there is. And folks, that's really authentic. They, I'm looking right at his eyes and he's saying that with they are, pure authenticity. Every single person on my team is there for the same reason. Awesome. Again, it goes back to making a difference. Mm -hmm. Having a team doesn't mean that we always agree, by the way. We don't want to have a team where everybody has groupthink, right? We want to have a team where people have different voices and may have a different approach or a thought process about how to get there. But as long as you're all in the game together, to make a difference and that you're inclusive in your voices, you can't go wrong. And so what it means to have a great team is to be collaborative together. What it means to have a great team is that you all enjoy working together, mm -hmm. <laughs> that you enjoy each other's company. We spend a lot of time together. I would say I spend almost as much time, if not sometimes more time with my team than I do with family. So they, um, they kind of become family, right? I would say my team is family, and we care deeply about each other. We care deeply about the work. And so I think it's important that when you find your home, that you do find the right team to work with. I've been very lucky. I've worked in great places, and I've worked on great teams, but I have to say that this really is the best team I've ever worked with in my career certainly. So it seems like you've built those relationships intentionally. Absolutely. And some of my teammates are people that came on as a result of the work that we've done here in South Huntington, mm -hmm. and we've built that team. And some of the team, they were here before I got here. But we've all kind of gelled. And there is no before mm -hmm. or after. It's just we're all one. I can say that authentically, that it's a great place to be. And that's a great foundation for a school, that the leadership be that connected. Well, it's a model for what we want our students to be doing, right? We want our students. <laughs> High five. <laughs> <laughs> if we're not modeling for our kids, then we're not doing our jobs. But again, we're not learning. That's right. Our students are not going to want to learn. If we are not modeling the type of learning style or having meetings or, you know, one of the things we've been talking about recently is choice in the type of professional development that staff can take. Because traditionally, schools have everybody come at 3 o'clock on Wednesday and everybody gets the same thing. But we know not everybody needs the same thing. We're asking teachers to provide more choice for our kids, well, then we have to model that again. And that. so that's what our team is trying to do, is be a model for what we want our teachers to be able to do. And our teachers are on that team as well. And 
They're modeling for their students. Their students are modeling at home. It just works. I'm expecting that you will have a lot of applicants at South Huntington <laughs> because you've made <coughs> a, a wonderful foundation. I think of be the change that you wish to see in the world. You know, we can't have these expectations of our kids if we're not living it. That's just hypocritical. We also um, have to have high expectations of our kids. Mm-hmm. We have a district where when I started, we were at about 30% free and reduced lunch. And now we're over 55 in some schools. We're at 60%. When I started, we were at 13% L's. Now we're at over 30%. And yet, our high school graduation rate has increased over the last six years. Our advanced diplomas have increased over the last six years. Our college and career mastery rates have increased. Our region scores have increased. The programs that we're offering in South Huntington are richer and more diverse. And so what I would say is, you know, this work can be done if you have that team in place that understands that student-centered means the student lens. And that you can shift and change, and that's not a bad thing. Correct. And that partnerships are so important that, Mm. that we can't do this work alone. I mean, that's the other thing I would say is that, you know, so often in schools, we think that we are the experts, but we forget about the business world. And I think coming from the dot-com industry, I think I have a better understanding of that. So our team, including the cabinet and the board, have really supported the idea of going out to the community, partnering with universities, partnering with manufacturers, partnering with local and not-so-local companies, partnering with groups like the Huntington Launchpad, and having our kids have these opportunities that they wouldn't normally have. Going into a hospital operating room and getting to see surgery, you know? What? Yeah, it's just it's incredible experiences. Or seeing secret manufacturing processes that are used for Army, Marines, oh. et cetera, for products that are made on Long Island. Going to Microsoft and having kids come out and say, oh, I thought all they did was code. I didn't realize that there's a marketing department and a business department. Again, it's about opening kids' eyes to what is possible and what's out there. And so the more we connect with the business world, the more we bring them in, and the more we open ourselves to say, we don't know everything, and we can learn from you too. We're just going to do so much better and offer so much more for our kids. I love that, how you're connecting with the medical profession and I'm assuming too the arts. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we have partnerships with the Heckscher Museum. We have a new partnership with the Cradle of Aviation where students are going to be going each month to the Cradle of Aviation and working with their education team and our science teams here. We had a student project that went on a space shuttle to space, to the International (laughs) Space Station, and the astronauts did the experiment in space, the students did the experiment here, and this past summer the students were able to present at the Smithsonian the research. Again, those are experiences that you can't authentically provide in a school by yourself. You have to have a team and you have to have other organizations help you to make that possible, those Mm. experiences. Wonderful. Now, Jared, can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? I'm going to go back to kindergarten. Go ahead. And so... That's um, not so long ago, by the way. (laughs) That's long ago. So when I was in kindergarten, I was a daydreamer. I was writing shows in my head. I was probably writing little novels in my head. And I'll never forget my mother being called in to meet with the kindergarten teacher. My mother was told, I'm sorry to tell you, Mrs. Bloom, but your child will never make it past first grade. Oh, my goodness. And so, of course, my mother was devastated. I'm not sure that I really realized how much of a problem, although I think I realized when I got home that 
things were not going as they should in kindergarten. And then I hit first grade. Miss McMahon was probably the best teacher that I've ever had and probably the only reason why I decided to go into education. Wow. I think that when I was in this in-between of dot-com startups and I was thinking about what do I want to do with my life? I think my brain went back to first grade and thought about what this amazing person did for me. And so what she did to challenge me every single day is during recess, she would encourage me to go write a show, go grab a group of kids. You put on that show and you figure out you know, how to direct it and orchestrate it. And every single day, she would give me a few minutes when the class came back to have kids perform mm -hmm. that piece. And from that point forward, life changed in school for me. I was motivated. I was interested. I was able to focus my energy and then still focus in other areas. And I think sometimes it takes that one teacher to really understand what you need, how to give it to you without taking away from others, and still encourage you to succeed. And I attribute the path for me to that moment what would have happened if I didn't have Miss McMahon in first grade. That's a powerful story, and I can see how it affects you. And the power of valuing people. One of the things that she was really good at, just from your story, is that she observed you, and she looked to see what mattered to you. And then from that, she was able to motivate you and inspire you. And that's absolutely what good leaders do. And beyond that, I would say she valued every kid in that class. Mm -hmm. You're right, she found those little nuggets for the kids, but she also didn't accept that someone was going to fail. She didn't accept failure as an option. She accepted that all kids can reach their potential if we raise that bar. And I'm one that believes that kids are going to have challenges, kids are going to have roadblocks, and kids are gonna have disappointments, as we do as adults, and it's our job to figure out how to help them around those roadblocks. Sometimes it's finding the passion and the interest. Sometimes it's helping to actually physically remove the roadblock. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's helping them to mentally remove a roadblock that's there. Mm -hmm. But it's always making sure that we believe that every kid can get there regardless of mm -hmm. the challenges. And some kids will have more struggle than others. And sometimes we certainly will not be able to get there as fast as we would like. Mm -hmm. but we're gonna work really hard for every kid. Now, are you still in contact with her by any chance? I'm not. We kept in contact for a number of years, but I'm not any longer. Great if she can listen to this. Yeah. Here's a quick message to help you start 2018 strong. I'm launching new mastermind groups in January 2018 that will help you grow your influence, whether you're an educator, administrator, or just hungry to grow. Take advantage of our early bird registration and sign up for a group that fits your schedule. Go to masterleadership.org and select Masterminds. All right, so can you tell us about one of your greatest successes? I think I sort of talked about what I feel our greatest successes, and that's really the work that we've done over the last couple of years in South Huntington. I mean, the fact that we have taken a school district, we have 55 plus percent free and reduced lunch, we have 30 percent ENL population, and because we believe that every kid can, we've been able to really move the bar for our kids. And this year in particular, it's historic. I can't speak to the exact results yet, but right. it was just unbelievable the work that was done by our high school team and all the work that came before those foundational skills that were built from elementary all the way on up awesome okay so what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture 
You know, it's always hard because you walk in sometimes and you're walking in feeling, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to move the bar. I'm going to do this, that. And sometimes there are those roadblocks that are in the way. And so the first thing I would say is figure out what are those roadblocks and how can you still make a difference and still make things happen. I think the other thing is to surround yourself with really good people. Surround yourself with good mentors. Surround yourself with other like-minded individuals in that district who can help you to move forward. But I guess I would say that if you get to the point where you know you can't, then you have to make a decision. You have to decide whether that's the right fit or not. And, and that's a really tough thing for somebody to do because you never want to leave. And right. You, you feel like feel you're failing. Exactly. You know, that's a hard thing. It is a hard thing. And it doesn't happen often because I do believe that there are ways around those barriers. But I would say, you know, surround yourself with people in that district that will help you to move the direction and to move the mountains. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I would say is things change often quickly and people don't always realize some of the behind the scenes stuff that's happening. Mm-hmm. And so take time to really understand why certain decisions are made. Take time to speak to other administrators. Take time to speak to people outside and don't just assume that you always know why a decision is being made or was made. And I also love what you said that sometimes you do need to move on. You do. Because the I'm, system is too locked down in the way they've been for years. Or something. I mean, and again, that's really hard to do when you're invested in a mm-hmm. community or you're mm-hmm. invested with kids. I've been blessed, but I know many people that have been really frustrated and stuck. You try to do everything you can, but at some point, you have to say to yourself, if I can't make a difference, if I can't move that boulder, then maybe it's time to take my boulder somewhere else. <laughs> right, and it doesn't mean that you fail. It does it not. It just means that things have shifted. Exactly. Great. Love that. Now, Jared, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you, and what are you learning now? I think there's a quote that says something to the effect of those that are leaders read a book a week. Those that are leaders are constantly learning something new each year. I kind of think it goes back to Angela Duckworth's research on grit and this Mm -hmm. idea that grit, grit, love that you have to constantly be learning and doing and applying yourself in order to move your craft forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, she talks about grit being focused on one thing for a period of time, but I think you can really apply it to that is learning, that is leadership, right? If you are going to be a good leader, then you need to constantly be having these inputs that come in. And so you need to be going to leadership conferences and you need to participate in leadership meetings and you need to be on social media and interacting with other leaders and you need to surround yourself with like-minded people and people that are not necessarily like-minded so that you can have an open point of view. But if you're not learning, if you're not interested, it goes back to that Henry Ford quote of, you're kind of done. Maybe it's time to move on to something else. So I'm always learning. I'm learning about leadership. I'm learning about being healthy. I'm learning about what exercises I should be doing. I don't always follow that, but, (laughs) but I learn about it anyway. I've always been fascinated with language. My other half is Puerto Rican. Boricua. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so to me, it's really important. I have tried for many years. The grit in me just keeps saying, keep at it, keep at it. I think giving up is not an option. I, I think we all have different learning styles. And sometimes when we're learning certain things, it may take lots of different angles in order to finally make it stick. 
for me, it was using a service called italki. I don't know if you're familiar with italki, but italki connects you to other Spanish speakers or Italian speakers or Japanese speakers from other countries who will speak to you in the language. And it's really inexpensive, and it's just an opportunity to have everyday conversation with people. And that, to me, helped start that shift. Am I there yet? Nope, but I'm going to keep at it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great service. (laughs) So I've written down a couple of other things. You're intuitive. You're very self-aware. And I think that has come from the work that you've done intentionally. And the last thing I wrote down is you're thoughtful. Um, Even as you respond to the questions, you think you've written some things down, but you really want to deliver something powerful and from your heart. And so I really appreciate how authentic that is. And um, all right. So Jared, if there were something you could change in education in the U.S., what would that be? You know, it's funny because we see a lot of conferences on changing the system and what's happening in other countries. And I believe in public education. I believe that in many schools, we try to do the best job that we can do. If there was a thing that I could change, it would be more personalized learning for kids. Mm -hmm. I think we constantly strive for that in our schools. We're using tools that are out there to help us, but it is always challenging to provide I know that my learning was personalized for me when I had Miss McMahon in first grade. And I want that for every kid. I want every kid to be able to get the math skills that they need at that exact moment to be able to work on that project that's going to make a difference for the career that they're interested in or inspire them to become something that they didn't think they could become. And so I think it's more personalized learning. It's more project-based learning. It's giving kids more choice. It's inspiring kids by giving them opportunities to not just learn in classrooms, but also to go out into the world and see what's happening, to go to manufacturing plants and go to hospitals and go to software companies and meet with engineers and meet with scientists and meet with coders because that's what's going to inspire them for their future. Our whole motto is that we're creating the leaders of tomorrow and I truly believe that if you are going to create leaders of tomorrow then you need to show them what that means and you can't do that on a screen and you can't do that in a book. That's part of it And those are certainly inputs, but actually going somewhere, actually creating. Think about those kids that we talked about earlier that had their project go up to the International Space Station. Mm. That matters. It matters greatly. I love your motto, create leaders of tomorrow. And it's interesting because some people think, I don't want to be a leader. I just want to do my work. But really growing in leadership skills really means growing in self-leadership. Like even if you don't lead anybody, and that's really highly unlikely that you won't influence anyone, but you can still make those decisions about you. And leading yourself well is what we want to do, what we want to help our students to do. And then we can certainly make the difference that you talked about. So thank you so much for that. Now, Jared, what have you read that our listeners should read Mm -hmm. and why? There are so many books I could recommend. But the one that we have as a team been spending the most time with this summer is um, Angela Duckworth's Grit. Mm -hmm. 
why it's so important is because in Angela Duckworth's research, she's kind of proved in all aspects of life, whether it's education or it's those that are going into the military or a host of other things, that grit matters. That the grittier you are, the more likely you are to stick with something and to succeed. She also talks about that you're not stuck in the place that you are right now. So just because you're not gritty at that moment doesn't mean that you can't get gritty. And she talks about that we can teach kids and adults to be gritty. And there are things that we can be doing to make that difference. And so our team has really spent a lot of time this summer digging through the book, finding those important nuggets, but more importantly, finding about how we can motivate our kids to be more gritty and how can that be a predictor of success for our kids. Awesome. And I see the book. It says grit, the power of passion and perseverance. I love that. So there's a chapter in the book that's called Effort Counts Twice. And she talks about the fact that we discount effort so often that we focus on talent. Effort counts twice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we have to remember that. Yeah, I remember seeing the book, Talent is Overrated, or something like that. Um, Absolutely. She talks a lot about that in her work. Okay. So, Jared, what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind for the responsibilities that you have? So, for many years, I have been a GTDer. I don't know if you know David Allen's work, Getting Things Done. David Allen has inspired me professionally, personally. I have had the great fortune of attending a live workshop with just a few of us in a room with David Allen, learning those practices. And what GTD basically means is organizing your thinking and your life. In particular, you know, he talks about rule your mind or it will rule you. If you don't set, what are the top three things I have to get done today? How do I make sure that I am using the tools that are around me to make sure that I am the most productive me, both personally and professionally? And so that means using tools like, for me, OmniFocus, using my calendars effectively, using reminders. I don't know about you, but I get about three to four, sometimes 500 emails a day. Mm -hmm. It is overwhelming. In addition to all the other inputs of five magazines that come a day, all the websites that we go to, the educational research that we're going through, all the classroom visits and everything else, how do you sift through that and figure out what are your priorities for that moment in time? And how do I just be? And David Allen's work really speaks to that and has spoken to me for many years and helped set me up for success each day. GTD, is that something that you did intentionally because you saw that it wasn't a strength? Or was it something that you did because you knew it would be beneficial in the long run? Speak to that because sometimes organization's hard. It's hard even for me. I'm, I am organized, but it's hard. Yeah, I think for me, I've always tried lots of different systems. So Franklin Covey back in the day and the Franklin Planner, and because I have always had a desire to be the most organized me that I could be. Mm-hmm. When I found David Allen's work, it wasn't about a particular system. It was about a way of being, mm-hmm. and it was about a way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And he just made it so easy to constantly realize that you can be the most organized person. You're going to fall off the bandwagon. Right. <laughs> And here's how you get back on. Mm-hmm. And if you always have this mindset of as inputs come in, here's where that goes, and here's how you sift through it and organize it, and here's how you prioritize it, and you have to have a system. Our brain was not made to keep all of these things in our head. In fact, I think the research shows you can only hold about seven pieces of information at one time in your head, maybe even less. Mm-hmm. So 
you have to have a system in place. You could be the best leader in the world, but if you don't have a system of remembering when you have to do something, it matters that you didn't buy the gift for someone you care deeply about. It matters that you didn't turn in that report that was due. Those -hmm. things matter. Commitments matter, and they're really commitments to yourself that you make when you agree to do something as part of a team, you're making a commitment. And David Allen just talks about a workflow. Mm-hmm. How you do that, how you make that happen is really up to you. So walk me through a day. Like what time do you get up? What do you do? So I usually start my day at about, about 5.30. I start with water because I think it's important to start your day fresh. So health is um, important. Health is really important to me. Mm-hmm. Again, I fall off that bandwagon too. But, uh, <laughs> we you know, all do. I, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a pescatarian. I will eat fish, but I don't eat meat. I try to be as healthy as I can be. I start my day by thinking about three things that are absolutely necessary to get done for that day. And I prioritize those three things. I have probably 500 other things in OmniFocus that also need to get done and other projects. But from that, I have three things that I know are priority. And I try to get those done as quickly as I can when I get in the office, because I know that in education and in any leadership role, you're going to get pulled for lots of different things throughout the day. And so it's important that things that are on deadline get done. I also make sure that I'm spending a lot of time in classrooms. I make sure I'm spending a lot of time talking to people and learning. I make sure that I have time each day that I'm reading something new and learning something new. I make sure that on my car ride, I'm listening to a podcast or listening to an audiobook because mm-hmm. I need to constantly have that learning going on. And I end my day every single day, unless I have a board meeting or something else that keeps me from going home. Every single night ends with reading three books to my daughter. And that's kind of just a peaceful way to end the day. And once she's sleeping, I can work on some other things. But that grounds me. It just it just it grounds you. Awesome. All right. So you know, many leaders put in long hours. What advice would you give us about maintaining balance? probably the wrong person to ask this question. (laughs) By the way, most leaders tell me that. (laughs) Um, When you were a leader, you were going to be putting in a ton of hours. And so I think those quality moments that you have with family, with friends, with yourself are critical. That time matters a lot because the rest of the time, you know you're going to be working on things that make a difference for the greater good. And so when I end my day, you know, reading those three books is critical because those moments matter. I'm out a lot. I am at events almost every night. I am at board meetings. I'm here quite a bit doing work. I think the balance that you have to find is know what's important to you, prioritize those things, and use whatever methodology you have to figure out how to make sure that you don't lose sight of those things. Don't lose sight of your health. Don't lose sight of exercising if that's important to you. Don't lose sight of family. Mm-hmm. Again, you may work hard, but what I've learned to do is when I'm sitting having dinner, unless it's an absolute emergency, I'm having dinner. So you try to be present. I, yeah, I have set up little systems for myself, so I have little scripts in my phone that if an emergency email comes in from certain individuals, I get different buzzes or texts or so that I don't. You're such a techie guy. <laughs> but this way I don't get That's, distracted from the thousands of other inputs that yeah. come into our phones. Mm-hmm. It was the best and the worst invention ever, right? Because <laughs> it keeps so us connected as leaders. Yeah. And we can get to somebody instantly, but we can get to somebody instantly. Right. 
And so it's really easy to um, get caught up in that. Thank you so much for that. Now, Jared, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? I think I would say slow down your mind, take in everything around you, and learn as much as you can at each stage. Because as I think back, there are so many people that I have learned from, but I also think that I could have taken a little bit more time, asked a few more questions, and realized that it's okay to say, can you help me? Mm -hmm. Can I ask you for advice? Can I learn from you? Can I shadow you? Can you mentor me? Thank you so much. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't touched on? Leadership is a journey, and it's not a journey to perfection. It's a bumpy road, and it's a road that requires a lot of self-reflection. You need to be able to look in the mirror each day and say, today was a good day, or today could have been a better day, or I learned a lot today because, but it is a journey. And sometimes we want to move quicker than things can happen, and that's okay. We want to set the bar high. Mm -hmm. And I guess the last thing I would just say is just be thankful for the people that are around you that you do have the opportunity to learn from. Um, there are so many people that are so giving of their time, of their spirit, of their craft. And don't be afraid to ask someone to spend some time with you or to call someone and say, hey, you know, can I bounce this idea off of you? Or just say, you know, would you be my mentor? Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. Whether you're 30, whether you're 60, right. no matter where you are in your career, there are always people that have come before or are currently doing it and have done it for longer. Mm. Jared, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great experience. I really appreciate it. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.